Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thank you for listening to Black Menopause and Beyond. This is part three of the conversation I've had with Lucinda about allyship in the menopause space. There is another part four on allyship, but that will be broadcasted in a few weeks. And that's with Kirsty. So um, enjoy this podcast. And as I said, this is part three of three, but there is another one that's due to be released in a few weeks. So please follow and like and listen to po- to um, my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and enjoy. To you, what is an ally? To me, an ally is someone who's confident enough to listen and ask questions. I totally... Because I'm an ally to others, yeah, I'm, 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 I know I will never understand the makeup of other cultures or communities, especially if I have no first-hand knowledge of them, yeah. So an ally to me is someone who listens. That's really important. An ally is someone who wants the individuals to be the best that they can be, because not all allies do. They, they, they're more so on the here and the now. Whereas I know when I communicate, say for instance, because I know I've done loads of work with refugees um, in the past, and I know that some of the people I'm talking to intellectually are more intelligent than me. They they maybe lived in a hostel, but it doesn't mean that they haven't got the intellectual knowledge or power um, or influence, or whatever. Not, not necessarily power because they're disempowered, but they're intellectually more intelligent than me. And I know once you talk to them or you you form a communication with them, I want for them, for them to optimize. So if I, in five years time, go to my GP and they are my GP, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, some people would, yeah. Um, so an ally is someone who really wants people to be valued at, for who they are. Um, and I think it's also the confidence, because that's also a thing I can see in allyship. There isn't confidence to ask questions because if when they get it wrong, they then either feel self-guilt or they feel that they're cancelled or, or, or they get a, a reaction. Um, and I think 
that confidence in, enables them to ask more questions. Yeah. And when they get it wrong, say, how did I get it wrong? And then someone explains it to them. And it's not a personal thing. It's not a personal attack. It's like, oh, and then one of the things as well to ask is emotionally, my statement, how did you make it? How did you feel for you? It's not just a practical level. Did I, did I disempower you? Did I devalue you? Because that was never my intention. My, my intention was never that. Um, and also be confident enough to say sorry if they do say inappropriate language and for me also a good ally is someone who can if they have the opportunity can socialize in diverse communities if because i i know i know not everyone likes jeremy corbyn and he's gone now whatever but i remember many many moons ago i went to a friend's wedding a zimbabwean wedding this is before he was prime minister and he was at the wedding and he was loving it. He was dancing, enjoying the food and whatever. And he really enjoyed being in that, that space. So for him, diversity and uh, ethnicity and culture wasn't just something that was textbook. He, he was, I mean, he was invited to a wedding and he enjoyed it. So that to me shows that that's an ally that truly values people, no matter their ethnicity, rather than someone who says they don't see color um because generally someone who doesn't see color they probably have internal racism because color to them is actually seen as a demon and can and you I, can you ever not see color well, to me what is wrong with color if I'm, nothing's if wrong I'm, with it but but i can't believe some people say they don't see color because unless they're blind literally because it's by default the very first thing we do when we meet somebody is see them but i and presume yeah. You can see colour as a problem or see that somebody's a different colour. It's a very different perspective. I mean, I'm presuming, I could be wrong, somebody who says yeah. that's... Because I, I come across it all the time. Yeah. And I came across it yesterday and I had to explain how inappropriate that, that saying is. Someone to me who says they don't see colour, I presume they're saying they don't see colour because colour is bad, which is racism. I mean, if, if you've got would, blue eyes... If you've got blue eyes, I see blue eyes. When I describe someone with blue eyes, in a, if I meet someone who's got blue eyes, I say they have blue eyes because there's nothing wrong in having blue eyes. If I say I don't see the colour of eyes, it's because I'm presuming I've got a problem with blue eyes or I presume blue eyes is a bad thing and I don't want to highlight it. So you, oh, that's interesting because your take on I don't see colour was a, was a negative one. Mine, if somebody said to me, I don't see colour, I would think that what they're trying to say is... I don't see colour as being a divider in our conversation. Yeah, as in, I, I'm not acknowledging yeah. the difference of colour as being important in in separating us. Whereas I, I see it as you view colour as a thing which is either of no importance yeah. or you see it actually, if you see colour, you see bad and therefore you're, cho you're choosing to ex exclude colour as part of who that person is. So I, I see... I don't see that person's being culturally informed when they say, I don't see colour. And sometimes I can see that, or sometimes I think that there is inherent, yeah, racial issues with that person where they're choosing to ignore colour um, because they, they think if I acknowledge you're black, then that means I'm acknowledging that I think you're bad. There are very different takes on, on how we would translate that, that one comment. I can't believe people think they don't see colour because because we, we notice things about people even if we don't mean to we notice we notice yeah. size height we notice wedding rings on people we know you know glasses not glasses tall short we you know we notice things about people all the time yeah. we can't help it we notice them um 
so you notice the color it's what you do with that observation yes. and whether it affects your judgment i find that allies are people who see color so if somebody says to me they don't see color i don't see them as an ally i see them potentially as either not being very bright and they've just found a saying that somebody gave them which they think is politically correct or that someone who actually is that there is something going on there either it's unconscious bias um um and and if it is unconscious bias then they might actually um do something with you know with the unconscious bias because there's nothing wrong with seeing a person of color there's nothing wrong in um i mean i'm i'm british because i'm born in this country and whatever and i embrace englishness and britishness but i also embrace my own his, history and culture as well and i think it's an important part of being a human being to embrace in culture whether it's English or whether it's other cultures, I think it's really important. So for you to not acknowledge someone's heritage, culture, or color, questions, I question their personality, their character, and how they judge people. Yeah, so that goes right back to one of our very first uh, comments then on on ignoring color is ignoring yeah. is ignoring a, a hugely important part of a person, both ways, yeah, every way. But asking about their heritage or who they are is a tricky thing to do right yeah. back to the beginning of of you know I might want to know from your meeting what you had for breakfast today or what kind of car you drive but those things don't really interest me in anybody mm. frankly I'm not, not not bothered but I probably because I'm focusing on it a lot at the moment really want to know more about the cultural heritage of different people and what it means mm. not necessarily you Anita your story but but if I don't know many people who've come from the Caribbean or, or any part of Africa or any of the different countries in Africa, then I'm, and I want to build up that picture. You know, you're British. You said, I can't remember, I think you said grandparents originally from, where were grandparents? So my parents originally from the Caribbean. Okay. Um, so, and I'm considered to be second generation because my parents came, they were born in the Caribbean, Grenada and Jamaica. And my parents came here and then I was born here in the 70s. So, but wanting to know about the types of food that can, that can that have still served with your parents or your grandparents that yeah. are filtered down to be your favourites, that's something that's more interesting than which Kellogg cereal do you like? Because, but I just want to go. Do you see what I did there? I waited till we're friends on online for asking a question about your um, which is taking your number one bit of advice. It's like no, get it into a conversation in an I'm interested in you way, mm. colour or or diversity or who are you? But ignoring colour is insulting it's ignoring a vital part of somebody mm. and asking about it can be the very immediate thing you do that alienates a friendship from forming Where you think think they if, even though it does sound like it's a contradiction they are very different i think there's a difference um in acknowledging someone for who they are than questioning someone from a negative toxic point yeah, that, I think that's different. So if somebody asked me about my identity and I don't feel that they actually care about me, that's different. That's where the alarm bells kick in. Um, but I know I have friends where if I say to them, oh, I want to book a trip to the Caribbean, do you want to come along? They would, because as part of knowing me and, and, and that Caribbean experience, they would love to be with me while I experience, while I experience a cultural um, holiday and they would enjoy it not just because it's a nice holiday they would also like to be part 
of me experiencing that cultural holiday and the same for me for them if they're from a different ethnic group um where it's different than when someone in a very toxic manner questions your identity i think it's in the context of the questions and the intention and authenticity that makes questioning someone acceptable um yeah that, that that to me is a difference and also, also for me and i do understand it's different for pe other people it's also understanding i am still british i mean i know some people of color don't like, like to acknowledge the british english side because of the history behind us but i've realized um in my 50s that you can't write my story if you don't include englishness you know england and britishness has influenced my everyday and negatively it's influenced my history so that's also part of my Englishness, my colonization and the empire is a negative aspect of my Englishness, but I'm still English. Yeah, and I, so, um, so sometimes if they ignore the fact I'm English, um, I don't, I question them as well because they, I haven't just come over on the boat, <laughs> you know, and actually as part of my DNA test, I have English, Portuguese, Spanish, German, going back seven generations because of colonization. So, so, so people who are from the Caribbean, we just didn't come here 50 years ago. We were part of the British narrative six, 700 years ago. I think that this is where some people don't understand um, about the Caribbean experience because my DNA has loads of European countries all because of slavery, but that shows that the, the relationship between Europe and my African heritage were interwoven, you know, seven generations ago. I've got loads of white American relatives in America because of slavery, you know. Um, and so, so I, I say to people, I, I don't have a problem saying I'm English, but I know loads of black people who would, but my story and my heritage, my heritage in, relate, in relation to colonization is not good, but it's still my story. So if when you, you said something earlier about um, you sometimes come across people in your work who are, are um, of mixed heritage and they may not know anything about their black, their personal black history or personal black heritage. So for them, the, com the conversation of what's your heritage is, a, is an awkward one. How do you handle it if you, if you ask somebody about themselves and you realise that, that it's a conversation they're not happy having? Or that they don't have to answer, or you might have trodden over a line somewhere. What do you What do you do then? Do you backtrack? For me, I think it's easier because I'm black. I'll be honest with you. I think having I've had loads of conversations with um, um, mixed heritage um, people or adults. Um, I've even and I've made an effort to understand the narrative around mixed heritage. I know there's an organisation called the People of Harmony based in London, and it's an organisation set up um to talk it and it's client based in mixed heritage um people and it looks at all aspects of mixed heritage with regards to the history and also outcomes with the community that are the young people because the outcomes for mixed heritage with regards to crime um and negative things like that in young people is higher than african and caribbean so there's stuff going around there's stuff there as being mixed heritage which is quite complex and is 
it's just about being mixed. It's not just about being black. And it's producing really high negative outcomes for, for some young people. However, I've also seen reports that the average mixed heritage, because of the the difference in the in the DNA, because the, the more the the more different your DNA is, increases the chances of intelligence. That's why if your DNA is very close, then you're more likely to have um, health concerns when the child is born. So the more separate it is is apparently really good for intelligence. So mixed heritage that you have a higher chance of meeting someone who, who's born with a higher IQ that I've been told. Yeah. And there's books about it and I've read a few many means ago about it. So even though they're born with a, there is a chance statistically, or according to some research, there's a higher IQ present behavior outcomes are worse for some kids in our educational system. So I've made an effort to um, go to some conferences by people of harmony. I've read some books and stuff like that. So when I do work with someone of mixed heritage, I understand not only do they encounter disadvantages because they're classified as black, they also experience disadvantage based on the complexity of being mixed. There's like a uh, double disadvantage. Yes, it's a double disadvantage. I mean, sometimes they also benefit from the privilege of being part white. So at the end of the day, if you're part white and there's a person in your household who benefits from white privilege, then biologically you benefit from white privilege. Um, it could also be like in the black space, most mixed heritage are fair and light skinned, and therefore they are more likely to benefit from what um, people would call pretty privilege because light skinned black people generally do better than dark skin because their color is nearer to white. Um, but there's also things which are clearly affecting them because statistically there is a real issue with mixed heritage and um, um, crime um, in, in this country. There is an issue and it doesn't match um, to a child with two African parents because um, they do the best and it doesn't match um, a child with two Caribbean parents. There is something there. Um, and no one quite fully understands, but it's something that's been looked into. That's an area I need to explore a bit more. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, Just thinking about, about my my children and their social groups. And I think, I think all of the friends, of all of the friends they have, I don't think they've got, they've got friends who have mixed heritage, but I don't think they've got any friends who are, hundred percent that yeah and that's very common that, that, that is very common yeah. especially based on how you describe the area you live in yeah so so i'm i'm not 100 percent sure why mixed heritage statistically i mean young people there is a difference but from what i understand talking to people sometimes is that even though they get on and they fit in and they have a greater understanding of whiteness or englishness if they're half white because they the, the a parent either the father or mother that they love the most key relationship a child has is white therefore it's not alien to, to them to be white it's not they have a positive relationship with a white person and it's a loving nurturing one so clearly um there is something you'd think that, that you know everything's fine but but they're perceived differently and that perception affects them um and then combined with racism 
and, and it, it then produces different outcomes. Um, and it's yeah, it's that it's that yeah. I mean, I I I'm, have you heard of a a color a color? I can't say the name now. <laughs> but he, but also he's a really good philosopher and he's really good on on modern modern black culture. So he's really influential and his stuff is really good to read because it What's really he gives you Akala Akala yeah. My dyslexia is sometimes for Akala. He's amazing. Even if you go on social media, he can articulate certain things in an amazing way that that informs me. So in one of his books, he said you know he loves his mum and whatever. Um, and he's mixed heritage and he grew up in the streets of London. So he's hardcore with regards to like, you know, cultural um, streets of London, you know, all the kind of all the bad boys and everything like that. But for him, learning how to be a strong black man and his main influence was a white blonde woman was something that was strange. And it's something that he had to master. Um, and how he explains it is really interesting because it didn't, it made me think, he has to learn how to be a strong black man and his main influence is a white blonde woman. And, and, and that to him was a challenge. Yeah, we haven't, haven't even thought about menopause in people of mixed heritage and do they get, are they going to get younger menopause longer, later menopause shorter? Yeah. You know, who knows? Who knows? But there's definitely no research into that either. So yeah, yeah. exactly. There's no research. Yeah. And, and, and the detrimental effect, it could be, it has a positive effect. You don't know. It could be they benefit for the best of both worlds. You don't know. But that comes back down to, to home home backgrounds. Um yeah. as well. You know, yeah. how were you raised and by whom? Yeah. Rather than necessarily being all about the skin tone. It's about were you raised in a secure in a secure setting that gave you confidence or were you always watching your back? Yeah. Or fitting in. You know, we all want to fit in somewhere. Yeah. So it's finding finding people with whom you fit in, whether that's whether that's based on skin colour or based on intellect or based on financial background or brains or whatever, finding your, finding your, your group. Uh, yeah. Fi finding people. So that, that I'd say just even talking about a colour there, how do you learn to be a good ally? The answer is listening, Find, listen. finding sources. Um, yeah. It's listening and but also be conscious of how not to be a good ally as well. Like that saviorism and it's like that, white saviorism. Word, yeah. White saviour. Yeah. White yeah. saviours. They're, they're, they're dangerous. <laughs> Because the thing is, they're allowed it in spaces, and they're, they're decision makers. Um, but the, actually, their actions are, are can be a barrier. But because they're allowed into spaces, because of their expertise and because of their, their, what they're doing, they they sometimes are the gatekeeper for people of color because they're allowed to represent them. And if they don't, if they, if they cherry pick what they want with regards to outcomes or they translate what they want to hear, they can be dangerous gatekeepers. But that's a really, I mean, it's a really hard role to get right yeah, anyway, because if you, if you ask a group, a diverse group, how would they like uh, people from different backgrounds to be represented in the workspace? They're all going to have a different opinion, yeah. depending on, on their backgrounds or their heritage, or, you know, as you said, which of the African countries are you from, and which Caribbean country are you from, and which bit of Asia are you from, will have a different answer on how you want representation mm. and what it means, and not being grouped into one mm. pocket of everybody of different colours is all in one group except for white people on the other side, because mm. it's not the same. You know, there's diversity within all of those. You know, a, a Scottish man is not the same as a, as a, as a woman from Devon. It's, mm. You know, they're yeah. really different 
culturally yeah. um, and being in that same room would how would they like to be how, how would they like to have sexism addressed and have different answers so it's very it's, complex <laughs> it's a very difficult very difficult role um being a being a savior and getting it right it's i'm not signing up for it <laughs> i should be a learner bit else on my head <laughs> but i think you've answered a lot certainly over the conversations we've had in the last couple of months a lot of my starting point questions on where to learn from how to get it right confidence apology if i get it wrong is important um and trying to overcome that fear of asking for fear of getting it wrong and approaching perhaps the way i ask questions or the questions i want to ask them too scared to ask find a way to ask them sensitively i think that's that's uh more listening more learning that's good well yeah, it's been it's... lovely talking to you even though really you kind of interviewed me in this way. <laughs> <laughs> but but having a mentor is is um around personal growth around an area you know nothing i know nothing about is really important because that's invaluable i can do as much googling as i want as much listen to podcasts as i want but i can't get answers to very specific questions like how do I bring up this up in a conversation or how do I do that? And yes, asking you, you are just one person. Somebody else will have a different answer, but it's building that confidence to, to just say, you know, who are you? Tell me about yourself. I'd like to know. And then a little bit further down the conversation, asking me perhaps more relevant questions to what I'm actually trying to find out, which is about, in my case, usually menopause and the approach to and the years leading up to and how background has affected reaching the stage in life and therefore what will work going forwards. Yes, yeah. I mean, as I said, there's some people I just don't respond to. I We've had loads of conversations, and as I said, Lucinda, I've always got time. Any questions you have, I've always got time Thank to, you. to um, talk, because I can see that your heart's in the right place, and your your actions are about making the change and being more informed and delivering a better service to people who turn up to you as part of your work. Um, you want to help them. You know, because some people yeah. was, would say, well, I don't understand you. Um, as long as I'm doing general, that doesn't, I don't need to understand you. And they'll leave it as that. So as I said, I don't mind helping you. However, because I have constraints, I am a woman of colour. I'm a single mother. I'm not rich. Um, I don't experience privilege. That's, I don't have time to invest in loads of organisations because they don't, they don't, I don't see an outcome for me or anyone. Um, no. And as I said, why am I going to work for free to give the information to someone who probably is on a high income because they're a researcher or they're a scientist or a medical person? It is, to me, it's, it's another form of exploitation if I don't feel that there's an outcome. Yeah, but there's there's slowly but surely the ability to collect data from all sorts of people, from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of colours yeah. will get there. Yeah, you know, we, we, and quite often, I you know, I, I see calls for surveys on on Instagram, for example. You mm. know, how's this felt? How's that felt? Um, but if all of the followers of somebody who's got ten thousand followers are not all, but they're predominantly white, the information that's coming in is already skewed. Yes, and it goes it goes into general because they can't tell the color of their participants. But you know, there's a couple of podcasts run by uh, uh, sort of mid midlife white women talking about midlife white women experiences their natural follow group is probably more likely to be people like them than yes. anybody else yes. and yet you have a podcast like yours that you know by the very name yeah your followers are more likely to be women of a variety of different colors yeah. than white women so if you put out a survey your information would be coming in from a different perspective but you can't quantify it yeah yeah 
it's, definitely definitely we're at the beginning edges of a loss of learning yes definitely but thank you so much for your time in educating me it's invaluable. as long as it's helpful as long as you feel that it's helpful Always. and giving give you a greater understanding and also as well i'm really conscious of the fact that sometimes when you do have discuss discussions i don't feel that with you at all that sometimes people walk away more informed but they have they don't have value of the community i hope I've, i i feel that you you still value individuals because sometimes i mean i was talking to somebody yesterday and um they explained to someone what it's like to be a muslim woman um and and then the the, the person who they spoke to at the end said, oh my God, you're, I totally understand how much harder it is because of how the world judges you. And then they ended it with, your culture is so oppressive. And then and she, and she said that to me, I said, how does that make you feel? And she said, terrible. Because even though she understands my, my experience greater, she now has less value and respect for her culture. That's a really big <laughs> comment. Yeah, that's really. So it's, it, and I said, I said, so you have to kind of, when you do, and I said to her, you have to be, when you do your delivery, you have to really understand that even though culturally there are some um, parts which are oppressive, yeah, also highlight how your culture is so important and has value. And also sometimes there's an element of not being so, Feminism is more advanced in the Western world, but how some women are treated in other countries or how women were treated in this country a few centuries ago. So it's not so much the fact that the culture is oppressive, it's the power of men that are the oppressors. And some countries are, are more advanced than others. That, you know, because the common theme is, is male dominance and male decision-making around women. Um, and some countries are just more advanced. And hopefully over time, culturally, they will um, become more, they will value women, but, it's, but it will be ingrained within the cultures, in the cultures, culture, sorry. Um, yeah, some than, cultures the, have a long way yeah. to go on that, but. Yeah, but, rather than demonised her culture. Absolutely. I mean, okay, would it be better to ask, do you find your culture oppressive rather than yours is so oppressive? Yes, that would have been better. And also. A question. What, yeah and, and and also there are positive things in being parts of different cultures you know um which they love and they value and they respect and they value and respect their religion and um and their infrastructure but some bits clearly on western standards are not ad adequately acceptable um but then no, but it's, also, it, yeah. it's a very hard starting point though coming from as i do a very limited perspective life mm. You know, I, I can't get behind somebody else's experiences. I can't, you know, think about the work that you do in your community level. It's, it's almost alien to me to be, in, to be in a space like that. I haven't had the opportunity. I haven't had the chance. Uh, in my young years, I probably didn't have the time or the understanding of why it would benefit me. Mm. So I shouldn't be doing something to benefit me, but it would have benefited me as a whole person, not as a what's my benefit. Um, whereas now it's a different way around, but I have more time now and I'm trying to learn more now about how culture and our upbringing affects who we are when we get to midlife. And that starts, that starts young. Mm. It does, yeah. But li limited, limited perspective starting point is a situation, but it wasn't a choice. Mm. 
yeah it's you know can only get there by asking questions and reading learning listening um what was the other one you gave me again you said five different things about being an ally i wrote them down listening questioning not assuming re-empowering and valuing yeah that's a pretty good summing up of being an ally isn't it <laughs> but no, it's been lovely talking to you this in the, on the end of the podcast you, you now too. and we'll speak again yes <laughs> Thank you much. you're welcome Thank you for listening to my podcast. Please follow and um, sign up for my podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, I'd like to inform you that I work, I'm a co-founder of Black Women in Menopause, and I also run a face-to-face menopause group within my um, town that I live in. And both organisations, we would like some financial support. It costs us money and a lot of time to do the work that we do. So within the show notes, I have included um, some links where if you can make donations to help us not only do the work that we do, but also help with, you know, financing my podcast and the work that I have to input into being part of the conversation of change on menopause, that would be appreciated. 